Welcome to another episode of My Hope is Built On with your hosts, David and Dan Ziegler, a show about real people with real stories answering the question, what is your hope built on? May this week's episode bring you some hope. Welcome again to another episode of My Hope is Built On, and I'm here with another what I'd like to say is a new friend because uh, we get to meet new people. And so uh, April Hannah is uh, somebody that we've uh, met through um, channels where we kind of reach out to one another to see if we can uh, collaborate. And so April was one of those that I had reached out to and we are now able to collaborate with one another on this podcast. And so I'm excited to have April here with us. Um, April, um, I, you know, I can never do anybody justice in, in telling what they're, who they are, what they're all about. So uh April, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and we'll go from there. Sure. Thanks so much, Dan. And thank, thank you so much for having me as a guest. Um, I'm really glad that I found your podcast and I absolutely just love the fact that you are trying to bring more hope into the world and interviewing people and asking really such a deep question. So <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. So, I mean, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a film producer, filmmaker. I have, um, I've also been a licensed mental health therapist for over 20 years. So I've been a clinician and during my own spiritual path and awakening, I ended up diving into a bunch of different spiritual studies, different ways that I could learn energetic healing from people. Many people are familiar with the term Reiki, uh, become a Reiki master teacher and began to integrate different healing modalities into my mental health practice. But back in 2008, I had this random phone call and from a person that wanted to make a documentary about me. And um, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm following my spiritual path. I had just put my website out like that week and I'm getting a phone call. I'm like, oh my God, a documentary. Like, I don't want to be on film, but let me see what (laughs) this guy wants. So, you know, in 2008, um, I ended up meeting a gentleman by the name of Michael Habernig. And the two of us went on to... um, create our production company called Path 11 Productions. And we went on to make three documentary films. We have a podcast, Path 11 Podcast, and we just recently launched a spirituality network called Path 11 TV. But what's really interesting, you know, and why I'm also on the show to talk about hope is one of the things that we cover is the fear of death. Mm -hmm. So I have been investigating uh, consciousness and is there life after death? Um, since 2008. And that's what my films are about. That's what the podcast is about. Because when you're also talking about hope, I think all of us are really hoping that something happens after we leave the physical body. So, you know, I have, I have lots of different things to say about hope, but um, that has been an incredible journey and probably something that we'll talk a little bit more about because doing all of this investigation and researching and speaking to amazing healers and authors and nuclear physicists and scientists. They have given me so much hope to really believe that I am so much more than my physical body and that consciousness does live on after we die. And uh, so that's one major thing that I'm really hopeful about. So that's kind of a nutshell, you know, I'll give you guys my website and stuff like that, that people can check out in the show notes to learn a little bit more about me, but I do a lot of different things. Like I said, I, I make films, make documentaries, (laughs) I'm trying to help people lose their fear of death, help them to heal any PTSD, trauma, anxiety that they've been holding. If anything, I probably am helping a lot of people to try to have hope you know, in their life and, right, and right. in their future. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I do a bunch of different things. Life is pretty fun. 
That's good. Well, you keep yourself busy and that's a really good thing. So you've already teed it up with the word hope, you know, mentioned that and that's pretty good. And uh, so, uh, so April, when you think of hope, what does hope mean to you? Yeah. Um, so I've really been thinking about this. When you sent me the <laughs> questions, I was like, this is not how I thought I was probably going to answer, you know, or talk about hope. So I really sat and I, I thought about it and, you know, I had a great conversation too with my fiance. And one of the things that we both came up with is hope is really unique to human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like animals are, or like dogs are walking around saying, Oh, I really hope I get a treat today. Yeah. You know, it's something really unique to being a human being and to be able to have this feeling, but hope is also to me, very ethereal, right. it's, you know, it's, it's something that's like out there. It's almost something that's really hard to measure. Mm. You know, you might be able to measure somebody's motivation, how motivated they are, um, maybe some enthusiasm, but like hope just seems like something so vast that it's really hard to measure. It's like, I don't know if I've really could go around comparing your hope to my hope and who hopes better. Right. You know, it really feels like it's a universal concept. I feel like it could also be considered a coping skill, right? With my mental mm -hmm. health background, we could use hope as a coping skill in really tough times. Um, but I also think hope is something innate in human beings. And uh, for some, it could be that they really have the ability to access it and others might really struggle to find that hope. And, you know, being a mental health therapist for so many years, I have met a lot of people that felt very hopeless. Yeah. Um, so what does hope mean to me when I really thought about it? And I thought about times that I had gone through myself that were really tough and kind of asking myself, how am I going to get through this? You know, why are some of these things happening to me? Will I heal from this, you know, situation? I guess for me, hope is believing in something that I cannot see. Mm. It's something that maybe I can't really grasp, but I can feel, you know, something maybe intuitively like, you know, there just has to be something out there. And, and usually when you're hoping for something and, you know, I don't know exactly what situation it could be in. It, it could be in any situation, right? Like I hope my business turns out really well, or I hope I get a medical test, come back and everything is negative. Or, you know, if somebody gets diagnosed with a cancer that they hope that a miracle will happen and they'll be able to beat it. But to me, there's a level of hope that we embody that is also unseen. And there's something magical about that. And, you know, with a lot of the work that I do with energy and consciousness and intuition, a lot of that is unseen. It's something that has to be felt, right? It's very hard to prove. It's more something that you have to experience. And I kind of have been, you know, thinking about hope after I got your questions and thinking, wow, it's, it's kind of very ethereal and magical as well. Yeah. So I feel like for me, hope has always been hanging on to something or an idea or having a vision and hoping with that idea, vision, or maybe it's a need or a want that it'll come into some sort of physical manifestation. Hmm. So that's yeah. kind no, of that's like where, where I start yeah. to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's great. You know, it, and again, one of the things that I, like I told you already earlier on is that my plan is never to try to convince somebody any differently than what they're feeling. You know, I'm really wanting to hear the point of views as, as it relates to that. And uh, so that was really, uh, really good understanding of where you're coming from. And I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, I told you one of the follow-up questions I always ask on this is, you know, so then if, if with that definition of hope, then what is your hope built on then? 
Yeah. Um, I've thought about that too in great lengths <laughs> too. And, and I came up with like two, maybe two or three um, things. Um, I feel like the first thing when I think about what my hope is built on has to be the witnessing of other people having hope mm. or also witnessing really miraculous things happen in people's lives. You know, it could even be like, you know, the Olympics just ended, right? If you think right. about being a child and watching the Olympics, and then you can see somebody do that, you have the hope that maybe I'll be that runner someday, or I'll be able to be that gymnast. So I think for me, and I don't want to speak for other people, but, um, you know, my hope is really built on watching and witnessing other people and other mm. people succeed and other people have resilience, right? I mean, that's another thing just in the world that I've lived in with being a therapist and seeing people who really shouldn't have had hope or really like, I can be like, just so surprised. Like, why are people still hanging on and living when they have been brought to the depths of such darkness or stripped of everything that you could possibly think of? And then they have to rebuild. Like, what is that innate characteristic in the human being that finds that will or that hope to keep going to say something's got to be better? Yeah. So I have really in my life watched other people live and really love to watch the people who are really inspiring because that gives me hope, right. you know, and I really feel like if somebody can do something, then I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And that might be why I've, I've been successful just in business and being an entrepreneur and, you know, having three different businesses. I mean, I'm not the best at it, but I've watched other people do it and it's like, okay, well, if they can do it, then I can do it. You know, if that person wrote a book, then I'm going to write a book. If that person, you know, can do a film, well, why can't I, you know, yeah, never yeah. in a million years being a mental health therapist that I think I was going to be of, you know, a filmmaker and a producer, yeah. but somehow I figured it out and did it. And it was like inspiring. And, you know, I just thought about so many people that have had like no formal ed education in certain areas and they just go and do things because they're moved by their heart. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's kind of like how I tend to live my life. So my hope is definitely has been built on watching others and yeah. feeding off of the beauty of how you see hope come through and, mm. and manifest. And then my other, the, my hope is also built on what I thought about was my free will and choice. Mm. Um, you know, like with my fiance and I, we were talking about times when, you know, both of us were in situations where you just kind of get to this point where maybe you are feeling so hopeless that you just throw your hands up and you're like, whatever, screw yeah, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'm just going to go and, and do whatever. If I'm this low, what, what's the chance that, you know, something else is going to mess up. I'm just going to go and take a chance and do something. Yeah. But what I also feel is that when we can move into this place of hope during really desperate times or in situations where we feel confused, there is so much power in choice and free will. And our choices, I think, tend to lead to the ability to manifest the hope, right? To bring whatever we're hopeful for into fruition, into the physical plane, and to actually see that you know, happen, you know, and some of it could be like, okay, I want to buy my dream house. Well, what does that look like? You know, I'm hopeful for it. I could sit here and hope it all day and wish for it right. and would love to live that lifestyle, but there's also action and there's choices and there's things that I can actively do with my power of choice to begin to live more of that hopeful life. Mm. So for me, I always really tried to take 100% responsibility 
for things that are going right in my life and everything that's going wrong in my life. And when I have experienced times either of, you know, sadness and grief or depression or burnout or like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? You know, those questions like, ah, what's going on? Why am I here? Um, I realize that I have a choice to choose, to choose differently, to yeah. find that hope, to shift my thinking. And if this isn't working, well, let me look at all of my choices that I have. So I feel like choices, watching other people um, and knowing that I have free will. Yeah. And uh, I would say that's what my hope has been built on over the years. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, it's it, I really like the fact that you introduced the, the idea of free will into that conversation because in our choices, it's a, you know, I, I actually, um, I had a, about four years ago, I think five years ago now, um, I had a triple bypass. And, you know, even in the recovery phase of that, I could have wallowed in the pain. I could have wallowed in the discomfort. I could have wallowed in the, you know, and I could have woe is me. But I, I'm one of those, I don't like to be sick. I don't like to be unhealthy. I just, I pushed myself, you know, to, to do that. And I had those choices to do that. And it wasn't a, a hopeless situation. I didn't see myself in a hopeless state because I knew I had the ability to change the outcome of where I was at by just exerting myself to push myself beyond the boundaries of where at. Uh, I was at and capable of doing. And so I, I get what you're saying in that area. I think that's amazing. And I think that's a, it's so true. I, I always tease, I, I hope my dad doesn't listen to this podcast because I'm going to say something. But I remember growing up when he'd get a cold, he would just sit there and waller with the sniffles, you know, and I'm and I just say, get up, you know, move, you know, it's a cold. <laughs> it's, you're not, and, uh, and I've seen so many people that do that just on the simple things. It's like, instead of making the conscious choices saying, Hey, listen, I can actually change the outcome of this situation by being, by changing my outlook on how I see it as this is a disabling me instead of saying, no, I can actually enable myself. And even if my inability is not there, I still can push myself in other areas to, to excel. And, and come and rise above it. And so, and find hope in it. So I, I appreciate you mentioning the free will aspect of that because it is, it is so true. You know, um, you, you mentioned a lot of great things that even just the, the ability to see hope in other people. And that's one of the areas where you've been able to, um, again, I, I'm a faith-based person. I was, I've been through Bible college. I, I do some pastoring and things of that nature. So, um, you know, one of the things I've even, when I talk with people is borrow my hope then in this mm -hmm. moment, Beautiful. borrow my hope. Then if, if you're hopeless, then just borrow my hope. And my hope shows up. It's not to borrow it in the sense of, I'm going to have you become like me, but it's to borrow. I'm right now, I'm investing in you and I'm going to pour in because I see the potential in you or I see the potential of what can come out of this. And I'm hopeful for you. And I want you to borrow that hope at this point. Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the patients and some of the people that you go through, because I know one of the things you shared with me is kind of, the, the idea of even just coping with death and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about that and how you try to bring hope in those situations and, and helping folks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for sharing your story too about the triple bypass, because what I love about that story is, 
you also, you know, show a true example of how the human beings, we are so much stronger than we think we are, you know, and it isn't until we go through something like that, where it's kind of like, oh my God, can I get through this? Am I strong enough to do this? Okay. I have to make some big changes, big choices to make and you power through, you know? So, and it's great. And I think it's so important when people are feeling hopeless, like you said, to lean into other people's stories and how other people got through maybe exactly something that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And similar to the clients that I've worked with, you know, I mean, I specialize mostly in post-traumatic stress, anxiety, and depression. Those seem to be like the top three things uh, that a lot of people, you really can't walk on this earth and live on this earth without experiencing some sort of trauma. Right. You know, it's, it, this is a place where we learn and grow and that's how we learn and grow best. And so with giving people hope, especially around grief, I think it is just that it's knowing that there are other people out there who have lost loved ones, you Mm -hmm. know, when, you know, if I'm dealing with a parent that has lost a child, they're, they're not unique to the fact that there are many people who have lost children, you know, it's one of the, I think it's one of the greatest losses. Um, It's very challenging, but you know, there's like wonderful stories out there. There's books. There also seems to be not only with grief, but I would say really any traumatic event, it's like, what do we do with that? And how do you use that? And a part of your story to become an inspiration for others, you know, and going through that when you're in, in the depths of it, it just feels, can feel very paralyzing. You can feel very numb. It can feel like, I don't think that I can go on, you know, these, these feelings and these emotions feel so heavy that it almost feels like it's hard to just breathe, (laughs) you know, breathe really makes it hard to breathe sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, and, and some of the counseling and stuff like that is really working with the thoughts, you know, really helping people to reframe situations. And in the work that I've done over the years and all the the research and work that I've done with path 11 productions, I really do believe that there really aren't any coincidences that I don't think God or the universe is out to get us and hurt us when we're going through really tough times. I really feel that we are given challenges in life to help us to become more of the vibration of love. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to use these tough times? Every single person, whether they were a client or not, anyone that I've ever talked to. And I bet you, if I even said to you, if you could change going through bypass surgery, having triple bypass, would you go back in time and change it? And most people say, man, that was really tough to get through, but I wouldn't change a damn thing about it because it's made me who I am, Yeah, you know? And that's another thing to have hope for. It's, it's like when you've been through something and you saw that you came out at, out of it, the other end and you survived and you were okay. And you think, wow, I matured through that. Or, oh, I really changed my, my health habits. I actually became, you know, a better person. I had more empathy or whatever the case may be. Then you begin to reframe and take a look at situations and obstacles that happen to you, not as doom and gloom and dread and, oh, life is happening to me, but you really move into this reframe of life is happening for me. How can I use this? Why is this showing up for me? Um, How can I use this to help others? What, what is the lesson for me? What's the assignment that this keeps showing up for me? So that's kind of how I will use hope and work with people and work with a lot of my clients, whether it's grief, trauma, PTSD, or anxiety, it's really trying to find that beautiful strength of each human being to let them know that they can persevere and that this is a stepping stone. 
And this is building character. And this is helping you, you know, in some ways, when we go through really tough stuff, it kind of makes us look at all the things that we used to worry about. And like, you realize that like, don't sweat the small stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the the big stuff all about? And sometimes that trauma can really refocus us. Yeah, no, I get it. And uh, it's funny, you've mentioned a couple of things. And then one that you mentioned, and when you were just talking was uh, that really resonated is, uh, especially with child loss. Uh, my wife and I lost uh, twin boys in the 27th week of pregnancy. And she had to stillbirth uh, both of them. And, uh, you know, but as a reason, and, and that was a trying time, you know, that was a difficult time. Sure. And, uh, but I had two more children after that. And I would have knew that was our stop. We wanted three kids and those two coming would have been the, made it three. And I wouldn't have had these other two. And these other two have been a joy and a blessing in my life that beyond anything I could ever ask or imagine, you know? And so again, it's, it's really when you're persevering through these things is understanding, you know, that um, things, things can come out for the good as a, even in the midst of those challenges and um, and so again, I appreciate you mentioning a lot of the things that you're, you're sharing today, because it is a, something that we all need to really think about. Um, I, I don't know what, you know, right now is that people are, I think, are in more of a hopeless state today than usual, especially when we look at the world around us. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I don't feel hopeless because I do see the opportunity for hope in the midst of all of this. But what would you say to somebody who's looking at the world and just saying, man, it just doesn't look like it's getting any better. And, you know, and, and how would you help them reframe or reshape their thoughts to be more hopeful and, and not to see the cup half empty, but seeing it more as half full? Yeah. So a couple of things, I'm just going to write some, notes down here. Um, so one of the things, um, would be, well, one of the things that I've noticed, especially about this pandemic, and it seems to be innate in human nature is that we cannot tolerate change (laughs) yet. Change is the only constant, you know? So we've kind of been thrown into something that we have all lost control in some way. Right. Yeah. Everybody was going about their lives. Bam, we get thrown into this pandemic. It's lasting way longer than people I think had hoped for, right? But we were hanging on to that hope thinking, okay, this is going to be over. Um, But at the same time, when I look look at, and I've, you know, again, so many of my clients, especially those with anxiety, people say, I don't do well with change. I'm a control freak. I don't like change (laughs) at all. And I'm thinking like, that's all like living here on earth is, you know? And I love some of the philosophers that say just to be more like nature, you know, Nate, there's that quote out there where like nature never rushes yet. Everything always is accomplished, you know, but as human beings, we're either trying to rush things, stop things, control things. And I think it's a beautiful lesson for us as human beings, if we can to stop resisting and go more in the flow of what is happening, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think in this time when we're feeling a little hopeless, you also have to look at your relationship with control and change. And if you can't begin to change that or find more ease in the unknown, 
and really letting go of some of control. If you can't do that, this is going to be a hard time for you. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing I've been trying to help my clients do. And even myself do, because there's a lot of things that were put on hold that I was like, I don't want my life to stop right now. Like, come on, you know, this, this is a horrible timing for my life. I had grand plans, you know? Um, but that also said, it's like, okay, well now's not the time, right? You kind of have to adapt and change to what's going on. And as human beings, we actually thrive in trauma and environments like this. Like we are wired for times like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, really helping people, coaching people about what is their relationship with change? How can they become more fluid? How can they kind of go more with the flow? I'm not going to get too much on this soapbox, but I think the more that we, um, another thing that can be very helpful in a time like this is also limiting the amount of exposure that you have to the news. Yeah. There's a difference between watching the news and being informed. It's important to be informed, Yeah. but there's a lot of stuff in our mainstream media that really, um, encourages a fear-based mentality and a fear-based belief system and a way to live. So I would say to a lot of people need to detox from news, not information. Information is important, but you know, if you watch the news every single day, a couple times a day, a couple hours a day, I'll tell you right now, you're going to get your fire. You're going to get your rape. You're going to get your car accident on the main highway. Um, you might get a kidnapping. You're definitely going to get stuff about COVID. You're going to get the political stuff. And, and then like the six o'clock news is going to tell you about the new accident that happened, you know, in rush hour traffic and the burglary that happened the night before and the fire. So if you really sit back and watch that, you're going to see it's that feels like a really scary world to live yeah. in. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that I would say to people that are feeling hopeless is going back to the control. What do you have control of right here, right now? And it may seem like, God, this world just doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. But if you just stopped and kind of came closer and zoomed out a little bit and zoomed into your own life and walked outside your door, it's like, have you even thanked that the sun came up today? Like, maybe we should be more worried about the fact if the sun decides not to show up, the planet will completely just be destroyed in 18 hours if the sun doesn't rise, yeah. you know? Yeah. So when you go back to mindfulness practice, the simplicity that the sun is out, the weather is beautiful. There are still flowers in bloom. I can still breathe fresh air. Yeah. Um, and you come back to those smaller things to have gratitude and to be thankful for. Yes, this whole thing in the world feels overwhelming, but if we go back to the oneness or understanding that we are one with God and one with consciousness, that it's our also job to find kind of calm because we are a little bit of that ripple in the pond. Mm. You know, if I can find more peace during this pandemic, I know at some level that I cannot comprehend or see again, something that can't be seen, but I know I'm contributing to balancing a little bit of the fear and the anger and just, you know, everything that just doesn't feel good. That's going on right now. My duty is to try to find that calm, you know, find the calm in the storm. So those would usually be my top three or four things that I would talk to people about to try to find hope during this time. And the other thing about your story about, you know, losing the twins and, and I'm sure that this is a great example that you gave too. hindsight is 2020, right? Yeah. Sometimes when we're in it, we can't see or understand why is this happening? But years later, you can look back and say, I wouldn't have had it any other way, you yeah. know, and we yeah. will probably look back at this pandemic 
And like you, I can see a lot of beautiful things that are changing, that are happening, different ways that we're learning how to communicate. And, you know, there's other endless possibilities and things that can advance us, you know, into the future and maybe in a better way. And right now that's really tough to see because it hasn't unfolded yet. Yeah. You know, give it 10, 15 years. And we look back and we might say, oh my gosh, how did we even function? Like we were functioning before the pandemic. Yeah, it's so true. So hindsight, 2020, big thing, especially with, with hope and experiences that we go through. I always tell my kids, I said, hey, you have something to celebrate. The fact that your two feet hit the floor is a good thing, you know, <laughs> and so and you right. can start every day off, but just in the right perspective, if you just recognize the fact that those two feet hit the floor, you know, and absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's such an amazing thing. Oh, you, I love what you were saying, though, and, and that is true is what you're basically saying is that life goes on and life is full of change. It's full of inconsistencies. It's full of challenges. It's full of things that you're going to face. It's got beauty. It's, it's got everything. Right. And so you got the mixture of all those things in there. And, and I'm just trying to summarize in, in everything that we've talked about, but one of the things I, I teach a subject and it's how to create atmospheric shifts by changing the air you bring and the air I define it as is your actions your inactions and your reactions and so we can create atmospheric shifts and then a time like this we can create those atmospheric shifts just by what you said our free will is our actions our inactions and our reactions to situations and so um you know I uh, I totally agree with you that that's a and I am big on individual responsibility I think the, the biggest thing that we all if we would all just be more introspective of what I'm bringing into the into the air again, my actions and inactions, and take responsibility for those things, though, then we would see a, a we can see a much more positive shift in our world today because we wouldn't be blaming the pandemic, we wouldn't be blaming the leaders of this country, we wouldn't be blaming you know it would it would be taking responsibility for ourselves. Absolutely. And I'm totally going to steer that, steal that air uh, thing. And what is it again? It's actions. Inactions and reactions. Inactions and reactions. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. Yes. I I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and, and blaming is kind of, I will say nice, right. In some ways, judgment and blame, not my problem, not my fault. I'm just going to point the finger over there. And then like the focus shifts off of you and you don't have to take responsibility for anything. And, right. you know, I mean, that has been, I would say, you know, in one of my studies with, uh, you know, a teacher, and that was one of the biggest teachings, you are 100% responsible for the way that you respond and react to everything. And I was so pissed off to hear that. Yeah. I was like, no, wait a second. Hold on. Yeah. You mean to tell me, but when I really sat with that and practiced that and learned that, like so many areas of my life change because yeah. when you really take ownership and you're no longer blaming any of your emotions on other people or problems or situations, and you're just really saying, okay, I'm responsible for how I'm going to choose to react. How do I want to react? Yeah. I think most human beings, even the angriest people, they really don't want to be in that state. It's yeah. a really hard place to be angry all the time, you know, yeah. sad all the time. That's not, but when you get empowered to say, okay, you do have a choice. Yeah. There are choices here, you know, that I think can really shift people up and out if they want to accept that, but not everybody does. And it's funny. You mentioned that even with all that is that 
because I do a lot with neuroscience as well. And, 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 and the really we can, we have the capacity to bring about better health in our own lives and anger does not perpetuate good health. You, if you're feeling, you know, you can start to really feel ill as a result of that. And you're bringing that on yourself as a result of it. And so if we don't take that responsibility and really self-correct, then it's not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to get the results that we're looking for and we'll constantly be miserable as a result of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think people are learning more and more now the mind and body, you know, connection, the emotional connections, what that does to us, what that does to our health, yeah. you know, just like a quick personal story, um, you know, and because I've been studying death in 2019, my mom actually had tragically died. Mm. And, uh, you know, she was, she was hit by a car, she was crossing the street. And, you know, here I am, this, you know, investigator of life after death and, and all of this. And it's then right after she died, I was, you know, doing my grief work in my own therapy, doing yeah. a, a grief counseling and then the pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden I really had to show up and be really present for my clients, you know? So I kind of put my grief on hold and, you know, and then a little while later, the grief started to manifest physically in my body because I wasn't mm-hmm. moving it out. I just was like, I'm going to put it over here. And then I had like a lot of mysterious issues going on with my lungs, my pulmonology tests, everything came back completely fine, was getting blood work done. I'm like, what's going on? You know, and there's a part of me that knows, okay, have I really dealt with my grief? Right, right. And I understand like in Eastern medicine, they say grief is held in lungs, but my body started to say, Hey, April, you need to start dealing with this. You know, like it's now time to release it because our bodies are like sponges for our experiences and stuff can really manifest physically yeah. in our body. If we don't start to really unpack and pay attention to the emotions that we're having or choosing not to have or feeling numb about them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, when you talk about anger and when you talk about stress, like people can make the connection, stress kills you because you can have a heart attack or yeah. whatever the case may be, but it's like, yeah, so can grief, you yeah. know, it's like how many people have lost their, their partner after being married for so many years and they die within that same year, Yeah, you know, exactly. We are so much more than just the physical body. Like we have to take really good care of our emotions and the experiences that we go through in order to keep this physical body, like supporting us, you know, to holding the spirit, to be able to live here on earth. So yeah, you know, hearing that there's major, major connections with our emotions and our physical body. So I, I have one final question I'm going to ask you. And, uh, and uh, with your quest for afterlife, where have you landed? Well, I thought I landed somewhere, but then after <laughs> my mom passed, I was like, I know nothing. I still know nothing. <laughs> um, well, what, where I am right now is that I, I really do believe that consciousness does not die. Okay. Um, that we continue, but possibly in different forms, you know, in a, in a different form because we're energy and energy doesn't die. It just, it just changes form. I've come to believe that there is a divine intelligence that knows way more than any of us. Mm -hmm. And that life is orchestrated pretty beautifully. And I feel like whoever the divine creator is, that divine creator is always rooting for us and hoping that what it brings us through is helping us to evolve, to become more loving, not to de-evolve and to become more hate. And I do believe in 
I don't even want to call it an afterlife anymore. I believe that life just continues in some form, but just maybe not in this physical body. And I feel that what I've learned and have come to believe is that I think that our souls come into the physical body for certain experiences, because this is a great classroom to teach us many things very quickly. And, um, and I do believe just in that divine presence and really feel that I may not know exactly where I'm going when I leave this physical body, but I know that the spirit will be somewhere because I've had so much communication, um, you know, with my mom, since she's passed, just other stories of, you know, situations with clients that has totally proven to me that the consciousness of somebody that was once in a physical body can be accessed. You can get information, you can get their opinions, you can hear what they need to say. Um, but it doesn't mean that they stay there. You know, it's just like, it's a piece of them and a piece of that consciousness. So I am still since 2008, I'm still learning. And I feel like the more that I learn, the less I know, (laughs) because I don't really ever want to have a strong belief system in any direction, because I feel like that can close me off to other infinite possibilities. So I would say I'm still learning. And that's why, um, you know, we created path 11 TV because that's what I'm doing. I'm investigating, I'm creating films. I'm talking to other people. It's kind of like how you're talking to all these people on your podcast. I am interviewing so many people about life after death, consciousness, scientists, you know, what is consciousness? What is this energy? Who is God? Where is God? What is this? Um, in the hopes to help people lose their fear of death and answer and kind of answer that question, or at least give them, I don't know, just more information to make a more informed decision about maybe what they believe. So I would say that with all you just said, you know, obviously, you know, where I, I come from. And so I, you know, um, the, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm firm in my faith in terms of, I believe in a heaven and a hell, obviously. And, um, but, uh, uh, you know, I really, and one of the things I just appreciate about one of the things I've never wanted to be though, is I don't want to be so dogmatic that it's my way or the highway. And I wanted to hear other people's that's like I said, that's what the purpose of the show was, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to hear your express point of view, because without that, then there's no collab, there's no way that you and I can actually work with one another. And and I don't believe in division and I don't in disunity in that respect. And so I appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts in that area. I really do. Um, and I thank you for that. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed listening to you, April. You really shared a wealth of information. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy what you've had to say and share today. And so I really appreciate you being on here. Um, as we already said at the, uh, at the beginning as well, when you were mentioned it, everything you need to know about April will be in the show notes. And so we'll have all the links to websites and uh, anything else that they need to, to get a hold of you or follow you and listen to what you have going on. But thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And I just have a wonderful rest of your day. Yes. Thanks, Dan. And we are going to give your listeners um, just a a free code. You can put it in the show notes. It's podcast 30 to get 30% off their subscription to path 11 TV. Then go to path 11 TV.com. There's a seven day free trial. They can check it out, but if they would like to subscribe monthly or annually, just use podcast 30. That's uh, specifically for your listeners and they can get 30% off. Sounds great. I really appreciate it, April. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Dan. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.